scary basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a pinata full of blood, a cat that screams right as you open a refrigerator door, a witch wielding a samurai's katana, and a ventriloquist dummy who is neither puppeted by a man nor all that funny. My name is Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Polk, and uh, that witch is very impressive to be multi-classing like that. Being a witch and a samurai, man, it's got to be tough. The She's problem with off. a lot of scary things that have, like, clear skills is that, like, you're obviously going to lose to them because you're so impressed. Magic, we get it. Witches are good at it. Samurai swords? Now that's cool. You also run into the problem where you're half-assing it by trying to do both of them. By not specializing in one, you're only doing half as good at each of them. But hmm. I don't know. I can see her wielding that sword. I'd say she's at least 90% on each skill. No, she's great. <laughs> Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest thing that we saw this week. What went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? The thing that spooked me to my very bones this week, Mikey, was a drive through mishap. <laughs> at taco bell <laughs> so i will sometimes get uh taco bell for breakfast because i really like their uh breakfast taco burritos and they're really cheap also and also live very close to me so it's a very easy habit to uh fall Roxy, into this is your venn diagram you <laughs> <laughs> it's cheap it's close it's good it's perfect for you it's hard to say no how can i say no to a deal uh <laughs> marketing works on me what can i say uh so i went through got got my tacos was like well you know what they've got those cinnabon delights i tried those once they're really good they're like definitely probably the most unhealthy thing for you on the menu i'd bet but they're really tasty so i was like you know what i'll <laughs> get two orders of those which means four total and you know what? Nacho fries are back. The the nacho okay, fries yeah. are back. Okay, I got to do that. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll do it. There's no <laughs> one in line in front of me, no one in line behind me. They weren't very busy. So my first red flag was after I ordered, they were like, oh, can you like pull up and park and we'll bring your food out to you? And I was like looking around like, why? Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> You've got literally nothing else going on. Um, Okay. So I do that. I'm waiting for like maybe 10 minutes which is just too long it felt like an eternity like 10 mm -hmm. minutes is an eternity when you're sitting there i'm like what do i do i guess i look at my phone i <laughs> texted my family because how i hadn't done that in so long and took having to wait at starbucks starbucks excuse me taco bell to do that uh-huh so i finally get it i'm like okay cool thanks i don't check in the bag i get home no cinnabon delights mikey no, no. cinnabon delights and the nacho fries they're stale and barely even seasoned. Unbelievable. At least they got the number of breakfast tacos right, but like, worst nacho fries I've ever had, and just straight up no, no Cinnabon delights. How dare Roxy, they? I'm so upset about this. There's nothing you can do when a drive-through thing goes wrong, right? It's just yeah. like you're just, uh, oh, you forgot the wasabi sauce for my sushi. I guess I'm just out of luck. Yeah, because am I gonna be that person who calls in to be like? Hey, um, Taco Bell, you didn't give me my thing. What are you going to do about it? Like, I'm not right. there for them to give it to me. Are they going to give me a gift card? <laughs> it's already are they ruined. Going to be like, oh, put your name. We'll put your name here. So if you come through the drive through again, give them your name or something like <laughs> I don't want to be that to be like, here's my full name. Give me my free food. 
So it, it made me very disappointed. It was maybe just the universe telling me, hey, Roxy, stop eating so much fast food. Right. Like, That's a good okay. way to take it. That's a good way okay. to take it. I know I shouldn't be doing it. I just like doing it. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? What uh, scared you this week? Roxy, I had the scariest dream I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, my God. Okay. I dreamt I was at a New Year's party, right? Okay. And we were all outside, and we looked up, and uh, it looked like an eclipse in fast motion, and a moon passed over our moon, like another moon passed over the moon, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. And then thousands and thousands of dead birds fell from the sky, and we're just like plopping on the ground. And then I realized in the dream that I had to go to the bathroom. And so I went to a urinal and I unzipped my pants. And uh, to be clear, my penis had not turned into this, but I was pulling this out from around my penis, um, sliced up severed portions of a spider. It was a spider. It was like a large spider's body. And I was pulling out their legs. And some of the legs had sharp talons that I instinctively in the dream knew were poisonous. And I was pulling them out of my boxers. Scariest (gasps) dream I've ever had. Roxy, here's the question. Uh Is this dream a portent of the end times or a warning against eating spicy tacos late at night? I think think there's a special third option, which is you are secretly a mantid uh, spider person, Mikey. Oh, you think so? You're you're a were spider, and (laughs) your instincts are trying to be suppressed, but in your dreams, you can't suppress them anymore. They're trying to tell you to embrace your spider poison nature. You're making me realize, Roxy, there's not enough variety in the kind of were creatures people become. It's always (laughs) werewolves. Sometimes a were tiger? No, no, no. I want to be a were spider. Yeah, you can make were spiders sexy in the way werewolves are sometimes portrayed as being sexy. <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you, Mikey. And speaking of making unsexy things sexy, Roxy, here comes the demon bot in a fly little blouse. Ooh. Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 1999 film End of Days. Did you watch the film? Uh, Roxy, I did watch End of Days. Did you also watch End of Days? Oh boy, did I. I watched End oh, of Days. Christ. Good. Then you may keep your souls. For now. So, Mikey, is it End of Days 1999, or just the movie is called End of Days and it came out in 1999? Because I can't remember. <laughs> End of Days 1999 is a much cooler title. It is called End of Days and the film came out in 1999. Okay, just en- End of Days. Okay, this entire time I was saying End of Days 1999. <laughs> we should in in an age where there are at least two if not three movies titled the evil dead Mm -hmm. we should just say the year at the end of all movies we should just make that it's like the dewey decimal system even if it's the only book in the z section still put it in well how else are we supposed to know there's like like you said too many (laughs) Too many Evil Dead movies. Which one are we talking about when you say Evil Dead? I don't know. Roxy, for anybody listening up at the scary basement door with their ear pressed up against the trap door with a little glass, what do you say we do a quick plot recap just in case they haven't seen the film End of Days from 1999? All right. That sounds good to me. Let's do a plot recap. Here we go. The film End of Days 1999 opens on a beautiful comet in the night sky. The year 1979. The place. Rome. Rome. The religion? Catholicism. 
with this clear omen reaching the desk of the Vatican seer, the church knows that the girl who will one day give birth to Satan's child and thus bring about the end of days has been born. The Pope decrees that they will not harm the child, but instead protect her from evil, much to the chagrin of some more cowardly senior cardinals. We then move to December in the year 1999, when Satan rises from the earth, goes to a fancy restaurant, takes possession of an investment banker, and makes out with that investment banker's most beautiful client before blowing her and all his peers straight to hell. Then we finally, like 15 minutes into the movie, meet Arnold Schwarzenegger, who plays, get this, Jericho Kane. Oh my god, the name. <laughs> Jericho Kane is a down-on-his-luck former cop turned mercenary for hire who is about to shoot himself in the head when his partner slash best buddy Bobby Chicago knocks on the door. <laughs> the two pals go off on a private security gig where a priest tries to assassinate the banker that we know to be Satan. With use of a helicopter, Jericho chases down the man of God who later tells him that the 1,000 years are over, even though we later find out this priest had no tongue. So how's he talking? A lot of questions, and so far, no answers. Jericho and Bobby Chicago go to the priest's underground lair, where they find his tongue in a jar, and also a Bible verse about Satan and references to a girl. Jericho talks to another priest, Father Kovac, who tells Jericho that if he's going to solve this crime, he has to believe in God. Unfortunately, God decided that Jericho's wife and daughter didn't get to live, so he and Jericho aren't exactly on the best terms right now. Meanwhile, the Satan banker kills the tongueless priest who tries to shoot him by crucifying him to the ceiling of his hospital room. When they investigate the body, Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago find the words Christ in New York carved into the man's flesh. Wait, it's not Christ in New York. It's Christine York. Jericho and Bobby, 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 excuse Body. me, let me redo that. I I honestly forgot that was his name, um, he, that he had even to look had it up. a name. And <laughs> if I hadn't, I would have just called him, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's best friend, but that's a cool name. <laughs> Bobby Chicago. Bobby Chicago. Chicago, hey, for sure. He's good at pool. Don't forget <laughs> I guess, it. I guess so. Jericho and Bobby go to this Christine York's house where Vatican priests are in the middle of trying to murder her. Turns out this Christine York is the now grown-up baby that was born in 1979 that is destined to birth the devil's baby. Jericho shoots up the priests and saves Christine. Then Satan uses his flammable piss Canonical to burn piss. Bobby Chicago to death while Jericho and Christine fight off Christine's devil worshiper stepmother and flee from cops turned Satan worshippers, including CCH Pounder from The Shield. Very cool. <laughs> Jericho and Christine find themselves in Father Kovac's church, where he tells them that while 666 is often thought to be the number of the beast, numbers are often flipped in dreams, meaning the true mark of the beast is 999-1999. It's literally one of the cleverest things I've ever seen in a movie. He also gives us a visual aid where he draws it himself and then flips it for the viewers to see, which is very funny. If Satan impregnates Christine between 11 p.m. and 12 a.m. on New Year's Eve, it'll mean the end of days. But Jericho? Oh, you best believe he's not going to let that happen. Anyhow, Jericho leaves Christine at the church and goes home, <laughs> where Satan is waiting for him. Jericho is offered another chance with his wife and daughter, if he only gives up Christine. 
Jericho declines and fights off Satan, only for old Bobby Chicago to reappear unburned. Jericho and Bobby Chicago go back to the church where, again, the evil Vatican priests are attempting to murder Christine. Jericho saves her, again, and brings her outside to Bobby Chicago's waiting car. But Bobby locks Christine inside of the car and Jericho outside of the car, meaning he was a Satan sleeper agent ever since his immolation. Satan arrives, murders all the Vatican priests, and tortures Jericho, semi-crucifying him before he absconds with Christine. Unbelievable that this movie has Arnold Schwarzenegger getting crucified. A in lot it. Never, of crucifixions. Never thought I would say movie. it or see it. <laughs> Father Kovac, having survived his run-in with Satan, saves Jericho and stitches him up. Unfortunately, the guy's been asleep for almost a day, meaning it's New Year's Eve. Jericho goes after Christine, finding her in, I don't know, Satan's lair or something? He shoots a ton of devil worshippers before again confronting Bobby Chicago, who reveals he made a deal with Satan while he was burning. Right as he's about to shoot Jericho, though, Bobby reneges on his deal with Satan and is once again lit aflame for it. Jericho uses this as a distraction and leaves with Christine. The pair hop on a train, shooting away at a pursuing Satan. It is very cool. This leads them to a church where Jericho prays to God for strength. Then Jericho is possessed by a monstrous demon embossed version of Satan and tries to have sex with Christine as the New Year's countdown is on. Jericho, though, summons the strength of your Lord and mine, Jesus Christ, and throws himself <laughs> on the angel statue's sword, killing himself and saving Christine from the d- devil's seed. Fire erupts from Jericho's chest as the evil is purged from his body. And as the smoke clears, he sees his wife and daughter again. Christine whispers a soft thank you as Jericho, to Jericho as he passes away. And then New York celebrates a rockin' party! Happy New Year, everyone! <laughs> Let all the great <laughs> be, be forgot! <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> Roxy, this movie's out of control. <laughs> Mikey, it sure is. What even in the hell is it? (laughs) Its tone is all over the place. It wants to be a very serious, gritty drama a la Seven sometimes. And then other times it's just like, here's a slapstick comedy bit. Oh, wait, here's a crazy action scene. Um, What is it? I, I... Felt like it had a pretty consistent tone. I, I really. What, what 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 would you say were the slapstick moments? I feel like to me it was like this is them saying Rosemary's Baby, but action. Okay, and so I I saw that throughout. Go ahead. What, I, what I, you say? I feel like Schwarzenegger's scene where he is introduced is the greatest encapsulation of that, where he is in a dark apartment with the lights off. He's got a gun and I think some liquor in his hand. He's ready to kill himself. But then his friend shows up and he's like, hey, Arnie. And like, he's talking all fast and very energetic. Um, Arnie tries to hide the fact that he was going to shoot himself um, and then proceeds to make himself breakfast, which is throwing all the food he can find in a blender, including a slice of pizza that was on the floor where he comically like sniffs it, puts it in the blender, mixes it, and then offers it to Bobby, his friend, seriously, I guess. And he's like, no, I'm good. He's like, oh, okay. Drinks it straight face. That's a great point. That is a very funny scene. And then they, they're off to the job. Then they're off to the job immediately. So it goes from like very serious to comedy to action. Just roller coaster. That scene is uh, is the closest I've come to being convinced. Um, I don't know how self-aware they are. I don't know how much of it is ineptitude <laughs> in mm-hmm. terms of like making a bad action movie. Like 
uh, when you were like, it opens with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's all dark, he's shooting a gun, about to shoot himself with a gun. It was like, oh, this is them trying really hard to be badass. But you're exactly right. The The blender scene is very funny. <laughs> he is throwing a bunch of shit, just like a half an old beer. Yeah, it's in. so random. Like, it's just whatever is there. Yeah. That is very funny. This movie got me into thinking about something that, as a storyteller, was very interesting. And it's mm. something that comes up a lot in movies and TV shows about the Okay. There is the real-life version of the police, and then there's kind of the mythologicals, right? There's the real-life mm, police yes. that we know are a, a big-time problem and are not necessarily protecting us, but more about, like, fudging their own numbers or making uh, poor people's lives hell. Like, there's a lot of problems. The mythological police are, like, the last bastion against evil corrupting a society. There's somebody there yeah. standing there. And that's kind of the vibe I was getting this movie um, and what made this movie really enjoyable to me was thinking about religion in that way. There is the real life version of religion that we know that inflicts a lot of trauma on children, telling them they're going to hell and covers up sex abuse. And then there's the mythological version of like God as the purifying angel and Satan as the article. And like once I kind of like I'm watching this movie and I'm like, are you trying to tell me that the Vatican is the hero? <laughs> <laughs> and once I wrap my mind around the idea that like it's not the literal Vatican, it's kind of the the movie version of the Vatican. It's kind of this uh this made up this fictionalized version of the Vatican that stands in as for good. I really okay, so kind of looking at it in these more bigger, broader kind of like superhero kind of terms. Exactly. Yes, it's cl it's closer to like the Greek gods than it is the actual Vatican. Yeah, I can see that, especially because like they have the I think it's the Pope. It's supposed to be the Pope at the time. He's like, if we kill the girl, then we're not worth saving. Like, if we sacrifice an innocent to stop the world from being destroyed, then we should just be destroyed. It's like this Which very... is the exact opposite of what we know the actual Vatican to be like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they're real you... concerned about the innocence. They can't even transfer a priest out of a district. <laughs> like, get out of here. <laughs> And then there's, like, this super secret cabal of, like, murder priests or something that have their own secret necklaces that are, like, right. these sculpted hearts that are on flames <laughs> with, like, a sword through them that Arnie, like, grabs off of one of them and is like, ooh, a clue at one point, which is very funny. I will say it's very cool and almost wish, again, like, my big preference is always, like, I want to know as much as the main character. I think it would be very cool if Arnold Schwarzenegger and didn't know at the same time as we didn't know, like, what was going on here. Mm -hmm. Like, I like the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of caught up in this big conflict between this sect of the church and the actual devil. And, like, these two people are fighting and he sort of is this third party who's intersecting. Like, I kind of like the idea of us not necessarily knowing who the good guys are. Like, I think it would have been a cool twist halfway through to realize, oh, this murdering group of guys work for God? Yeah, I think if they had revealed that in any different way, like, that that could have been something interesting. Like, yeah. If they, yeah, if they, they, they really front load it. They they open the movie with somebody saying, like, the devil child's being born, and one man in, like, the only one in black robes, <laughs> like, who might as well uh -huh. be, like, evil Mr. Spock, stands up and is like, oh, we should kill her, right? Yeah. <laughs> and also, when you're thinking about it in, in long, t uh, not long terms, but just, like, yeah, the trolley conundrum, right, is kind of what they're they're proposing here, where it's, like, sacrificing the one to save the many sort of deal um and also just like it's very sort of creepy that this hinges on 
a woman having sex, a woman being forced to have mm-hmm. sex with the devil in one hour time period. <laughs> but all of this has been orchestrated so she could be sexually assaulted by the devil, which is just like, well, okay, okay, cool, this is what we're building our whole movie around. Uh, here's, okay. Here's something that I actually thought was very interesting, and I would love an entire movie about it. Um, because they play with this idea a lot. Um, and I don't know how fair it is or like how <laughs> congenial it is, but they play with this idea that like Christine York has been having dreams about the devil having sex with her for her entire life. And maybe when he takes her, she's going to want him. And I was thinking about like, this is sort of how fetishes are born, right? Like, uh, um, I remember hearing somebody talk on a podcast or whatever about like, you know, you're just like, your parents are hosting a party at their house and all of their guests are sitting under the table and you're just like a weird little kid. You're like crawling under the table. And one lady takes off her shoe under the table and she's just like got a nylon stocking and you see that as a kid and you're like, oh, now I have a foot fetish. <laughs> like if that's how fetishes are developed, just like a weird circumstance of like your sexual awakening combining with a specific, like I kind of am interested in the idea of a story about a young woman whose sexuality is defined by her dreams of fucking Satan throughout her life. It's I kind think... of a cool idea if she's like sort of into Satan and like it's her fetish to fuck an evil dude. Yeah, like I think that would have been a lot more interesting. The way they couch it though, she's being groomed since she was an infant. It's It felt yep. like it was more grooming. But I think well, it would have also... been much more interesting if like she legit because satan's whole deal is that he is supposed to be tempting right he is supposed to be beautiful he was supposed to be the most beautiful of all the angels right i'm not sure i'm an expert but that's one of the few things i know uh so it would make sense that he's this very alluring character who would like make you think twice where it's like no you need to tell yourself to stop because you know objectively that this is a bad idea even if you're being drawn towards him um, and we see him have that effect on, like, that lady that he makes out with and gropes in the restaurant instantly uh, as soon as he possesses this banker guy. And and tell tell me if they have a moment like this. I don't remember if we ever get... I know a lot of p- other men <laughs> talk around Christine saying she's going to want this, she's going to enjoy this. Does Christine ever address the idea? Like, is she ever saying, like, I'm worried he's going to take me? And I'm going to want to be with him, so you have to stay here and protect me? Do do we ever get Christine specifically's take on it? She does, but she only says that after so many other people have, like, said it or told it to her. So I'm not sure how much of it is like, okay, is this really something you feel like or what? Because the whole deal is that when she is born as an infant, for some reason, she's a special baby. Nobody explains why this baby is special. I guess there's, like, a tattoo. She, she has a weird tattoo. So then the nurses and doctors take her to a satanic ritual where they make her eat some snake blood and then return her to her mom. So is it supposed to be like Very she was funny. just infected to be groomed and then the snake blood is there forever influencing her, I guess. I, I assume that's the only reason why maybe it's the tattoo. Who knows? <laughs> the devil just has magic. He can do whatever. I, I didn't necessarily mind the idea of them just saying, like, it's a prophecy. Like, this is just the girl. What I... I Well, when they break down the specifics of there's an hour. It can only happen between an hour. And there's a celestial thing. Like, they say all these, like, very mechanical things that seem like they need to be precise, but are also just, like, ridiculous. So it made <laughs> me think more about specifics than I wanted to, than we needed to. I was interested in your take on this. I felt like... The moment we meet, because Christine, throughout the movie, you know, we get a scene of her being birthed, two-way birth month. Mm-hmm. And we see her very quickly, like, laying flowers at a reef 
that or, or uh, laying flowers at a grave rather that says mother, and then she goes home to her stepmother, mm. and we later find out that the stepmother is like a devil worshiper herself and has been working subtly alongside the devil deliver Christine when it's time. But I was just like, why did we kill off the mother if we were just going to have a stepmother? Isn't it just as frightening if your mother, and just as likely if your mother is a devil worshiper that she would turn you over to the devil? Like, why did we, it it felt like such an extra step to kill off the mother and then be like, "Uh, but she has a stepmother who is sure playing the role of a mother in this story. Yeah, I feel like that's just them sort of being cowards where like they wanted to make it seem like, oh, it was a possible holy child of prophecy and whatever. It's an innocent. Her She was birthed from someone who didn't care about like this whole agenda. So it, it makes her very innocent in that way. So it could have been she could have been born to to anyone. Um, And then these interlopers take advantage of that and worm their way in by killing the parents and then seating themselves in this position where they can control and influence her and everything to make her do what they want and keep an eye on her to make sure she's where she needs to be when they want her to be in a certain place. So I can kind of see it being interesting how it's sort of like, uh, what is it, the the snake in the Garden of Eden sort of thing, where it's like someone who's whispering in your ear. We have the the stepmom continuously telling her like oh you're really special you know like oh don't Mm. worry about it yeah i'm sure everything will make sense when like in the future or something like mildly kind of pushing her in this direction um yeah i think it would have been much more interesting though if it was her actual mother or father who committed and decided to hand over their own child to this instead of it being this third party who's just like yeah well whatever sure Roxy, this gets into something I'm realizing. Like, this movie is almost a sequel, his baby. You know? Yeah. I it could totally do that. I could see this that. This is what happens when Rosemary's baby grows up. And <laughs> I, I think you're right. It would have been a lot more scary, a lot more potent if it had been her actual mother. And then she's dealing she's dealing with like the religious trauma of your parents, which a lot of parents put on their children. Yeah. <laughs> there is horrifying expectations. Uh, that re- all religious parents uh, of I-, I don't even want to make this a a Vatican thing. This movie sure seems to want me. <laughs> it's not even a Vatican thing. It is a all of religions have insane beliefs. I also um I didn't tell you about this. I just saw Book of Mormon. Oh, okay. A couple days ago uh, at the at like live and it was really great. Uh, so it's very much in my mind this idea that like all religions are a little silly. Book of Mormon, I would argue, makes the point that, like, they're silly, but they're ultimately good, and we should, you know, the, the specifics don't matter, the, the effect matters. But, like, this movie feels like it's saying, uh, this specific religion, the Satan religion, is bad. Catholicism? Big thumbs up. <laughs> we, we love a Catholicism. Yeah, well, it's operating in this very binary good versus evil, uh, God versus the devil sort of thing, and so... We have Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just even getting into that mythological area, it's like it almost feels like a Western where you have white hats and black hats and Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of playing the ugly (laughs) if we're talking Western tropes. Like he's the third party who is coming in and sort of dealing with this fallout from these two opposing forces that are, again, I want to like remove from religion and say like, "Eh, it's good and bad. It's good and evil. Yeah, like, he he is someone who I guess at one point was religious, but then he lost his family because he did the right thing, which, okay, again, 
They're oh, super boy. vague and just offhandedly sort of mention what happened. So I guess Arnie is a good cop who testified against some bad people. They don't tell you if it's crooked cops. They don't tell you if it's a mob or anyone. They don't say who it is. They just say generally like they. I was going to uh-huh. testify against them or something. Um, but somebody who had power... And they decided when he was out one night to go and kill his family as if that would make him, like, holding them hostage, maybe that would make him not testify. Killing them, now he has nothing to lose. Why would he not testify against you? Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Other than to give him a tragic backstory where he can be sad about his family being gone and lose faith in God and still be like, he did it because he was righteous. It's so convoluted and ridiculous. Um, But we do get this this scene where... Satan is recreating the events that happened so we, the audience, can see it and to torture Arnie with it. Um, And then to offer him, like, I can bring them back, you know. But, of course, it's like, Satan's the prince of lies, right? They're going to be zombies? You got to be specific about these wishes, like a genie. Are they going to be zombies? Are they going to be ghosts? Are they going to be, like, their soul (laughs) is gone, but their body's walking around? Even if they look completely fine? We don't know. Arnie says no and also tackles a Christmas tree and tries to shoot the ghosts of the people who killed his family. Which, That's again, is funny. he shooting into his walls and is it going to hit his neighbors? I couldn't stop thinking about how it's going through his walls going to kill his neighbors. You know what? A, a moment ago when you were like, there's a prophecy and it's making me ask more questions about the rules than I think he wants me to. You're right. Like, this was the scene where I was like, what is the truth of this situation that these people are in? Like, why are they... <laughs> Uh, around what is he leaping into? I will say, I because actually is... the Christmas tree doesn't exist in reality, but he interacts with it because he jumps and like grabs it. <laughs> Everything else is a ghost except the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree. You're exactly right. It is formed out of Satan's mysticism, but Arnold Schwarzenegger passes through half of the vision and lands on the other half of the vision. <laughs> Sam was probably like, you know what? He's just going to face plant into the floor. Uh, I need to help him save face. So we'll make the tree corporeal for a bit here. (laughs) Just for Arnie's pride. That's so funny. I had not even thought about that. (laughs) Uh, This is going to surprise you. We we need some sort of term for this. We need a like surprise. Mikey loves it. Uh This thing that is very objectively very bad. This scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger and his family. I really loved it because it. It made me realize that this movie is operating in a a world that is separate from our own. Like, this is a world where all male heroes are on the verge of suicide and men with guns are constantly breaking into the homes of others. And it's sort of like, at first I was like, oh, God, the fucking Vatican is always breaking into homes and killing people. And they're always breaking (laughs) into Arnold Schwarzenegger's home and he's breaking into other people's homes. And then I was like, it almost becomes like the kind of cartoon world that like the Ninja Turtles operate in where it's like, this is the kind of world where sometimes Master Shredder will build the Technodrome. <laughs> like that has no <laughs> connection to our real world, but this individual world has its own rules that we must sit in and abide. And it wasn't until that silly scene, because I was like, okay, his wife and daughter died. A regular movie would be like, they were in a car accident. Yeah. Like there's uh-huh. it's not the stupid insane bullshit we're already dealing with in our movie. <laughs> it is something normal that happens in real life. Nope, got to make it more complicated. Got to be cartoon. Insane. Cartoon verse. <laughs> I think it's also very interesting cuz it shows how the devil is focused on trying to also turn 
Arnie in this in this scene. Like he wants to corrupt Arnie, who is this righteous man, apparently. But just also, it almost feels like he just wants to win as well. Because uh, I feel like he could, he could find Christine so much easier. But no, he's like, I'm going to convince Arnie. And then later, he's like, I could kill him. No, nah, I want to crucify him so he can watch the end of days happen. I want him to see it. He's like very focused on Arnie in a way that is kind of interesting. And I feel like they should have played with it a bit more. Because it's probably just like, he's a main character, so he has plot armor. But I would have liked it to be more about him being sort of obsessed with sort of turning him the moment son. you said that, I was like, oh, the devil is in a prophecy arranged marriage with Christine, but he's actually attracted to Arnold. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like, much much that more feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're exactly right when you say that, like, I didn't realize it until just this moment that fucking the whole middle scene is like, I'll give you your family back if you come to me. And Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger is like, no, I'll never do it. And at the end of the movie, Satan just takes him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the difference? What's the difference? Between and while these two he's moments? in a church. So this is another thing, too. They're like, Satan can't come in because the church is uh, like hollow ground. It's purified. And so like this whole first half of the movie, he can't. And then later he's just like, no, nah, I just feel like it now because now I know Christine's here for real. So he just walks in there and like it kind of makes the floor rumble and then he blows shit up. But like he doesn't seem <laughs> ill affected by it whatsoever. Uh, it's very strange where it's just like, we need him to not be moving so aggressively yet. Uh, so he can't do it now, even though he can do it later. <laughs> um, just when the plot just... needs him to, he can't. And when the plot needs him to, he can. Sure. We we just watched... Uh, fully manifests. Rev- he fully manifests like... in the church and then fully possesses Arnie. So he does the most insane, right. aggressive shit. Okay. Sorry. Gremlins. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Because... We just watched Gremlins, which is kind of the, like, the poster boy of, like, here are our clear rules, and this movie, as silly as it gets, it does always operate within these. Mm -hmm. This movie, it seems like every scene, they introduce a new Gremlins rules. It's like, Satan can't come into a church. And then a half second later, they break, and it's like, well, it hurts, but I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is, this movie is so undisciplined. Like, I think that's something I respect in a movie that is just like, we set up a rule, we followed it to its absolute peak. That is what we're doing. That is what this movie is. We are confident in our decision making. But they're just like, no, this is a a movie where uh, possession needs Arnold Schwarzenegger to say yes. And the way we get him to say yes is by accepting his family back. And then they're just like, or we just do it. Yeah, we just just have it happen. Because the devil feels angrier this time, I guess. He's done fucking around. He's got five minutes before he can uh, enact his horrible act that he's trying to do. Oh, man. Rachi, that's all I've got to say on the movie. How? Anything else uh, before we move on to our ratings? So there was a alternate ending to this movie, Mikey. What? Where Arnie didn't, didn't die. So his like oh. self-sacrifice being reunited with his family didn't happen. And he just walks off with Christine and he's fine. He gets like healed by God from the sword. He's no longer stabbed. Oh, that's weird. Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be about like recovering from this trauma and realizing there is a purpose to life still. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you think about it, doesn't change in this movie. He, he finds from God wanting to die. at the end. Like, I guess he does find he God. He finds yeah, God, but... and then he passes on to actually reach his family, I guess. So he's like, that's true. God never did nothing for me. And then at the end of it, he's like looking at a statue of Jesus and like crying while holding a semi-automatic rifle or something <laughs> in the church. Which is his ultimate death. 
Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I I did. You're very right. It, it, it is a uh, it is a tangible change from like not believing in God to believing in God. But in terms of like, I have not gotten over the death of my family and my life is over. That was yeah. the ending. Like he started that movie in that place. It, and he it didn't ended really feel like place. he had a reason to do it either. Like, honestly, they have him be like, oh, he believes in God now just because it's the end of the movie and he's in a church and he needs to. Like, it didn't feel <laughs> like there was some sort of can- tangible yeah. change whatsoever. Um, he didn't and earn it. Like, it, was, it wasn't him believing crying. in God also made it easier for the devil p- to possess him, apparently. <laughs> just like, <laughs> that, like, what? Shouldn't that make it harder for him to? I would think. Very true. What is this movie saying? Uh, you're exactly right. That is insane. <laughs> Why was he by? Because by by going through your arc and learning, like there was nothing that like led him to like. Okay, I've tried it in my atheist way, and it hasn't worked. It was like things had the same chance of working or not working, whatever his level of faith was. Yeah, like if they had shown more of a level of devastation, I mean, I guess you see people being possessed by the devil. He's seen a lot of people be possessed by it, I guess. And so he like literally has nowhere to turn except God. So then it's more like, well, the the best out of my zero options, I guess. Mm -hmm. I I guess I'm going to look at this thing. I'm going to turn to religion, which gave me riveting like (laughs) it's really uh, it's not it's not like a you've really left me no choice but to believe in God. It's just like, I guess it's literally the change in the end of a movie where he's just like, I guess I'll change. Yeah, (laughs) and he does. I don't know. Technically fulfills the Joseph Campbell hero's journey but not super satisfying another thing too because he's able to possess arnie at the end like i assumed he had to possess this banker for a particular reason because the devil comes out of a sewer yes and then specifically has to find this one dude he passes by many other people but wants to get this one guy and we're told he's an investment banker but we don't know if he was up to any shady shit he could be the most squeaky clean by the books investment banker you've ever seen but are we to assume that he's like shady or deceitful because that's why the devil could possess him? I don't know. Is it because he also has a tattoo where he can be Satan's host? We're never told. Okay, that's I'm I'm glad you're bringing this up because in my like poking around about this movie after watching it, mm-hmm. I read somewhere on the Wikipedia and I was like, oh, was that detail in the movie? This idea that he was the male part of the prophecy, that he was the mm. male. Um, this investment banker and Christine was the female and that together they would birth the, the end of days. Okay. But I don't remember if they said that. In the, I, I am 99% sure they did not. I feel like, the, and the fact that you had to read supplementary materials to know right. that, that's horrible storytelling. And then later, <laughs> he possessed, like after that vessel is completely obliterated by Arnie blowing him up and running him over with a train and whatever the hell happened. Um, then he possesses Arnie and then tries to use Arnie as his vessel to get with Christine. So it's just like, is any old guy okay now? Like, what? Exactly. Like, why isn't he switching bodies? Like, why doesn't he just possess the priest who there yeah. are no rules? There are no rules in this movie. <laughs> they keep giving lip service to rules and then they never follow them, which makes them not a rule. I don't want to be a stickler. <laughs> I don't want to be a type A. Well, they could have done interesting things. Again, like you can have rigid rules or you cannot, you know, and it's once you start introducing those, then you have to play by those. If you want to be amorphous and not really nail anything down so it could kind of be anything, you can get away with that, too, to some degree. I would argue, I would argue that there is something to be said for like if they're if they keep establishing rules and breaking them, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is like going to the priest and just being like, 
you told me this was supposed to work. Why isn't it? And that he's just like, cool you too. have to believe in God. Yeah. Like, trust God. We know, we thought these were the rules, but God has changed them. So therefore, and then he's just like, you're an idiot. And he throws it like, that'd be cool. Uh -huh. And then it's more evidence for like, okay, I have tried everything in my atheist version of the world and it hasn't worked because Satan just keeps changing. The only thing left for me is to believe in God. We keep accidentally writing so much better versions of these. I know. Roxy. I know. <laughs> We're going to write uh, End of Days 2, uh, 2999, the sequel, Squeakle. Let's do it, Mike. Okay, real quick, I do want to say this movie kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. Christ in New York being Christine York and <laughs> 666 right. is the mark of the beast. But sometimes in dreams, it's flipped and rotated, are two of the cleverest things I have ever seen. I saw them and I was like, fuck yes. Like those, like even just one of those, I would be like, you pitch that and you have sold your movie. But they have two moments in like that that are <laughs> awesome. That are just like, fuck, like, yeah, I get why it would be cool and interesting in a devil movie to see Christ in New York. And then they came up with Christine, 666999. I remember seeing, I, I never saw this movie until we watched it for this podcast, mm -hmm. but I remember seeing this commercial in the year 1999 oh. and being like, is that true? And kind <laughs> of thinking like that must be true. <laughs> the devil's going to be here. He's going to show up. He's going to blow up New York, I guess. <laughs> kind of. Is that something <laughs> in New York? It's such, it's, it's truly some of the like, I feel like you get this so rarely in movies where it's just like, that's just a good idea. Like, a lot of times you can build to an idea within a concept of a movie, but those two moments, just in a vacuum, are fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, creepy pasta level twist ending cool idea to you've put even, in a movie. You've even got, like, this secret priest underground research lab base, <laughs> like, whatever the hell that was. There's just, like, preset computers and desks doing something. We don't know what they're doing investigating they're doing missions maybe <laughs> i don't know because when you see the pope he's just feels very ineffectual and he doesn't want to get involved he's just like no we should do nothing um and then you have the evil faction who's doing something device. just somebody for everybody to talk to so that we know what's going on in the movie yeah and, and he has no role to play in the film does the pope show up at the end at their church and get killed by the devil i think he does doesn't he or is that a different priest I think that's the one who wanted, like, in the very beginning, like, wanted to kill her. Okay. Does he get decapitated? Pope, Does he decapitate him and, like, hold up the head and look at him he, and, like, make an expression? Am I... He, he like, snaps his neck in such a force that, like, he spins around. It's, oh, that again, was it, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Got it's like very cool. cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool kill. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> I gotta say the performance of the the dude playing the devil. He 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 does what he needs to do with it, and especially huh. him trying to give. He gives a more grounded performance. The guy playing the devil gives a more grounded performance than Arnie. But I gotta say, Arnie is always just fun to watch no matter what. So I kind of don't care. Mm -hmm. But Arnie feels like a cartoon character talking to like a real person no matter right. what. Uh, so it's a very funny juxtaposition that can make it very enjoyable during certain Listen. scenes. You want to talk how much has The Simpsons ruined our understanding of pop culture? Like, 
I cannot watch a single Arnold Schwarzenegger line delivery without hearing that Simpson scene where he is in the Fallout Boy movie and they're like, the, the line is up and at him because you're radioactive. So up and at him. And he's like, up and at them. And uh-huh. it is a parody on The Simpsons of Arnold Schwarzenegger's acting style. But every single line, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like articulating every syllable and he like never speaks in contractions. It's like, we cannot stop the devil like he is giving a very funny cartoon performance and it also feels like he's giving 110 percent. like it feels like he's very yeah. he's trying so hard and it really comes through when it's like it's good that you're trying hard but you need to be more subdued that's kind of the point but he's like no i'm good i'm gonna keep doing as much as i can i'm gonna give 110 percent because i can do it i think <laughs> that's what makes him like as charismatic and uh-huh. as perfect of an action hero as he can. Like, yeah. he is not acting. He is, like, he's closer Performing. to dancing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, is an, and it is an act that he's doing as a, like, he's not trying to convey, I don't know if he's trying to, I don't know what he's trying to do. He is not conveying human behavior. He is conveying insane, like, uh, the uh, idea uh, of uh, human a, behavior? Right. Like, like, a, theatrical like mm. he, he has a giant mask on and he's saying like i am the the action star as opposed to like even like a sylvester stallone in rocky like i'm a human who's going through something you know i wonder if uh schwarzenegger ever did any stage play stuff because it does now that we're talking about it like that's great acting for like on the stage when you need to be yeah. overly exaggerated from distance you're playing to an audience in a very fixed location in a specific way I think yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I, uh, because I just saw it physically in person, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be great in the Book of Mormon. Oh. Playing general butt-fucking naked. <laughs> so I gotta the Book say, of Mormon, it's really good. The, I have not seen it, but uh, this movie kind of tanked Arnie's career, Mikey. This oh, movie no. is kind of cursed in that way. Like, he filmed this movie, it flopped, he, like, actually, he went on interviews and stuff and spoke very poorly about it. He does not look back on this movie fondly and he he blames the director for a lot of it too it seems like they butted they butted heads a lot and then after this he had to get heart surgery and then after that he became more of a liability to be hired in hollywood for these action movies because his health would be an insurance risk so suddenly they have to pay even more to hire him and that and he might not potentially be able to film the entire movie i guess was maybe the Mm. the worry for future stuff so that's kind of what made him turn into doing politics like this movie is kind of what tanked his career and turned (laughs) him into politics mikey if you can believe (laughs) you know what i can this is the end of days for both the world and the end of days for arnold schwarzenegger yeah he uh, like tried to do a couple a couple movies after that and it's just like they they didn't hit they were kind of all flops i can't remember the names of them right now but it's a yeah interesting little factoid i'm not quite sure what it says about this movie and maybe satan at work i will say couldn't have happened to a nicer guy i am sending you a link right now oh where the actress who played the stepmom here in end of days she says that arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) deliberately farted in her face (laughs) so how though how i would like to know the logistics of that because arnold is (laughs) She talks about it. It's the scene where she is like trapped, like she's like blown away and trapped under the the coffee table. Okay. So she's like low on the ground and physically like trapped in between Uh takes. So she is right at ass level for Arnold Schwarzenegger to walk by 
and fart right on her face. And so, but here's did the he thing. meet? So he deliberately did it, or did he just fart and she happened to be there? I guess it says deliberately in this title. Okay, sorry, Mike. You were literally going to tell me why am I theorizing? Please say. Well, I, I'm just theorizing too. Oh, okay. In my head, that is a cruel thing to do. That's a bad workplace environment. In my heart, that's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> that's like. <laughs> Like, she's framing this up as this, like, this asshole, he did this. It's like, I don't know. That's kind of funny. Like, I I would maybe roll with the punches. Again, I don't want to tell this woman how to respond to a man farting in her face. I think that's very funny. (laughs) I think that would be a funny thing to do. But also, uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is probably, I think, karmically, this is why his career. Okay, I, like, scanned through this. And and her her quote is, I was playing Satan's sister, and he was killing me. So he had me in a position where I couldn't escape and lying on the floor, and he just farted. I don't know how much that's him, like, trying to intentionally antagonize her, and maybe he just needed to fart, and he just did. He couldn't hold it in. Like, I don't know how malicious this was. It sounds like maybe he just had an accident, and she took it personally. <laughs> possibly sometimes men just fart we have to just acknowledge that humans just do that sometimes people fart sometimes people fart unfortunately i mean if he did mean to do it on purpose not very professional or nice but if it was just an accident then that's that's unfortunate that she took it personally (laughs) it would be unpleasant of course but uh you'd have a totally different uh vibe with your (laughs) co-star roxy on a scale from one to five thumbs you know we can go well over two thumbs here in the scary basement because we have this box of hands. Pick up a, a severed hand and fold the fingers down and make it into a thumbs up. On a scale from one to five thumbs, what would you rate this movie, End of Days, 1999? So out of five, I gave it a 1.5. Wow! <laughs> so I've got one of my thumbs and then one of these severed thumbs in the basket. Just gonna snip it in half. Okay. It's not a good movie. It feels very derivative of so many things coming out at the time. But, you know, it was fun to see Arnie in an action movie. There were some crazy stunts. There's a stunt with a helicopter in the opening that we didn't even really talk about. Mm. uh, That is just wild (laughs) to look at. (laughs) And, you know, little things here and there that we talked about. So it still gets 1.5, you know, not a zero. But, like, the times when it's funny, it's like... It feels like it's despite itself. It's unintentionally funny. Like the things we found funny and the things we liked. I feel like the movie didn't do it on purpose. So I can't give it credit for that, really. Like Arnie Arnie being crucified by the cultists. That's funny. It was supposed to be taken 100% seriously. (laughs) What about you, Mikey? What do you give it? I I will say just on Arnie being crucified really quick. Like this idea of like, I don't know if this actually happened, but I feel like there's probably some uproar at the time of this movie's release. Just like, oh, oh it's so anti-Christian. Have. But like, I was watching this movie and I was like, this movie is very pro-Christianity and Catholicism. It's just like the only way mm-hmm. to survive is through blindly and without context giving yourself to God. And so it's like the idea of like having Christian imagery of Arnold Schwarzenegger being crucified probably earned this movie the ire of the same people who should have been like. Yeah, like I bet they oh, didn't they, they didn't watch the movie. They just saw those things. They probably didn't yeah. watch the movie and weren't thinking about it critically. They'd just be so mad seeing that because that's like reactionary extremists are going to get up in arms about that mm-hmm. thing without really understanding the full yeah, context. This, it's crazy how pro-religion this movie is. Yeah, Roxy, yeah, truly. I gave this movie two thumbs up. Okay. Just two of my regular thumbs. 
gotcha. um, which I think is my go-to rating for like, I liked it, but I understand it's not good mm-hmm. because this movie has some rip roar in action. It's the helicopter <laughs> stunt is cool. Mm-hmm. The gunfights are cool, but there's no rules to anything. Like why is Arnold Schwarzenegger bringing a fucking rocket launcher to fight Satan? I it's also want to say thing I've he- ever seen. He's like some sort of private military guy. Like, we don't even know who he works for. Just like there's a call center that has dudes at computers and then maybe a boss guy. Like, he doesn't have authorization to do this stuff anymore because he's not a cop anymore. We didn't even really touch about this. He's no longer a cop. He's some sort of freelancer. And the cops are like chill with him showing up to crime scenes before them and pointing guns at him. All this kind of crazy shit. Roxy, I thought he was a cop for most of the movie. <laughs> and you would you would not be at fault for thinking that because that is the way the movie treats what he's able to do. They should have just made him a cop. Being on the case why for it he, would make more why sense. Why would he have a helicopter? Yeah, th- this private military company he works for, these mercs, they're really that rich, I guess, that he makes that much money, yet he lives in a shitty apartment and eats floor pizza. I don't know. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's... a. Uh- Listen, I I love this movie. Uh, I love a lot of moments in it. I think a lot of moments are funny. And I think the action is, again, very, very cool. I just need rules and structure to rest in. Like, I am unfortunately a type A kind of uh, nerd girl who would, like, be in charge of the Model UN in high school. Like, I need rigid (laughs) rules. Otherwise, I am made uncomfortable by it. Fighting Satan who is more concept than man with guns is both the coolest thing in the world, but just like, just have the priest bless the sprinkle gun. holy water yeah. on the bullets. Like, and bless then the I'm gun. and then everything. Holy great. water bullets, and the holy salt, those sacrament things with the, the swinging pendulums. They got like mm-hmm. incense. In yeah. Them, yeah. Uh, swinging yeah, around. Frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Swinging around like a flail. Hit, How hit the devil awesome with would that. it be if he's like swinging around like a flail and it's just like the smoky yeah, <laughs> god, yeah, yeah. god smoke? He's <laughs> just flinging it at the devil? <laughs> that rules. Just like say that. And even that, like with half a second of, of iterating on it, we got something cooler than shooting a rocket into uh-huh. the Satan crowd. <laughs> <sighs> it's fine. Uh, I, I, I think it was cool. But God, God bless it for existing. Roxy, do you have a question for me? I sure do have a question for you, Mikey. Let's do it. So, Mikey, do you remember Y2K 1999, like the real year, not this movie? <laughs> do you remember what you were doing that New I Year's do. Eve slash New Year's Day? Very much so. I was hanging out at my house with my cousin, Colin, who uh, I'm still very close with, one of my best friends. And he was sleeping over at my house. And I have two specific memories from it. I remember one saying like, if the world's going to end... What if it's just like we're doing the New Year's countdown and it's like four, three, two, one, and it's just a flash of white and everything's over. And I remember saying that to Colin and then later on the night, like maybe an hour before midnight, him saying like, I kind of can't get that out of my mind. (laughs) You introduced that concept to him and now you broke him. (laughs) Um, And I was very afraid of that. And what actually happened at midnight 1999 is I had cleaned my room and I grew up like my mom had like she wasn't quite a hoarder, but she had hoarder tendencies. So our our house was always very messy, but I kept my room very clean. I was very like Mm. uh, very much rebelling against that. So I had taken 
that New Year's Eve and, you know, I had cleaned my room and I had vacuumed and my room was perfectly clean. And then at midnight, I remember my mom and sister threw open my bedroom door and they went, Happy New Year! And they threw, like, glitter and fucking ah! uh, graffiti everywhere. Graffiti. Um, <laughs> confetti? Confetti is the word I'm looking for. And they just threw it everywhere. And I was like, I just cleaned my room. And they are like, nah And I was like... That's mean. <laughs> I yeah. still remember thinking like, that's mean. Like you just knew something that was important and to were me they and like, you ruined it. Well, you should be happy. Aren't you happy? Look, we did this thing for you. It's it's New Year's. Be happy. No, it was it was very clear that it was about like, we know you spent your day cleaning oh, your room. Oh, wow. Okay. And what a funny thing for us to do to mess it up. Wow. I'm still angry about it. I don't talk to my mom anymore. <laughs> and it was because of New Year's Eve 1999. That was... It's a part of it, a pattern of behavior. <laughs> no, Mikey, we can set clear rules. It was the devil's curse. Yeah. Roxy, <laughs> what were you doing? Y2K 1999. Uh, what I was doing in 1999, uh, I don't have such clear remembrance of it, although there is some confetti involved. I remember my brother, like, having a sleepover at a friend's house, so he wasn't even there. I remember my parents, like, being on the phone or something. I don't know if they were worried about Y2K business. I was too little to really remember if the adults were freaked out. I just remember them being, like, absent. So I remember being, like, on my own and being, like, what do people do for New Year's? Oh, okay, they they have, like, confetti, right? So I literally got paper out and started just cutting it up to make confetti. <laughs> That's very cute. Oh, my God. And so I made it, and I remember just kind of, like, sitting in front of the TV by myself. And then the ball dropped, and I threw it up by myself. And I was like, I don't get why people think this is fun. <laughs> I was sitting here by myself, and then I went to go tell my parents, and they were like, oh, oh, it's new. It, the ball dropped. Okay, because like, they just weren't paying attention to the time. So then they were like <laughs> excited about it with me after that. But I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this. they try to make it out like it's a big deal. And then I didn't even know until later that it was like the Y2K scary thing, because I had no mm. concept for what that would be. And like, I didn't grow up in a religious household at all, not even a little. So, like, I didn't have that idea of anything like that put in my head either to maybe think it would be something like that. I, I also remember my uncle telling me, like, this wasn't on New Year's, but like a, a couple weeks or maybe even months before New Year's saying, like, if the Y2K bug is going to cause problems with our computers, it's not going to happen at midnight. It's going to happen like two or three months after as the computers systematically begin to fail. Mm. And so... Even when we made it to New Year, oh no! I so you like, still don't get relief from that. You're like, no, it's still, it's it. still, it's still coming. Destruction's still upon us. He's he's still not wrong. It could still <laughs> be in play today. In the year Y2K clicks over this year. It wasn't 1999. It was 2023. Because <laughs> you see, if you turn it upside down, <laughs> it says boobs. I don't know. Oh Roxy. man. Last week, we made a bet. We sure did. When we watch End of Days, will we physically see Satan? I said no. <laughs> uh-huh. And I said yes. And, uh... Turns out Satan's one of the main characters. <laughs> I, In my defense, I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger would stop Satan, which he did, but it turns out Satan was up and walking around on Earth for a long time. Hey, here's a question. What would the fucking baby have done differently than the Satan? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Say she gets pregnant and then the baby is just also Satan walking around and can possess people and make out with whoever he wants. Like, what's the difference? Yeah, just baby Antichrist, I guess, which is different from Satan. I don't know enough 
to know the specifics. <sighs> He's not Satan reborn then? He's a different thing? He's just the son of Satan? Does he hang out with Rosemary's baby? Oh, they're, they're, they're probably buds. like baby little best Ant- friends. Antichrist baby friends. Very cute. <laughs> Muppet babies, but Antichrist <sighs> uh, children <laughs> getting into adventures. Uh, well, so I said no. You said yes. Obviously, we saw Satan throughout most of the film. That yes. You're Satan gonna take coming home. in clutch for me, Mikey, this week. <laughs> yeah. All right. We now know who Roxy has thrown her lot in with. <laughs> that means the total bet score at this point is Roxy with 35, Mikey with 27, tie with four. Ooh. And uh, the... Speaking of Demon Bot, we weren't speaking of Demon Bot, but I had no transition. Here comes Demon Bot. Don't worry, Mikey and Roxy. I will never intentionally fart in your faces, even if I were affected by the Y2K bug. But speaking of an abusive film set, for next week, you must watch the 1980 film The Shining. All right, Roxy, we got The Shining up next. Are you excited? Yeah, because you know what? I've actually never seen this movie. I've seen so oh. many scenes plucked out of this movie. I've seen the Simpsons episode about this movie. I've seen so many bits and pieces that I have probably collectively seen it without having seen it. So I'm looking forward to actually sitting down and watching the whole thing through and seeing what what the deal is. This will be one of the very few movies that we will talk about on this podcast that I have seen that you have not. Ooh, okay. And so I you have, have seen this, this, Mikey. Yes. I did not know that. That's why the bet for next week has to be something that, even if you've seen it, you won't know <laughs> off the top of your head. Mm. Roxy, what do you think will be the timestamp of Jack Nicholson's famous Here's Johnny line? Oh, God. I don't know how long this movie is, but I feel like it's probably towards the end when he's going super bonkers. So I'm going to guess 55 minutes in. I'm going to say 48 minutes in. I think you're okay. probably going to win this. Um yeah, if this is like a two-hour movie, it's probably going to be like an hour and a half in, I It's going to be towards the end. All right, the bet is locked in. Roxy, we talked about a lot of horrifying things. This mm-hmm. The devil, Catholicism, mm-hmm. the end of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. <laughs> What's something that's making you happy? What's brought a smile to your face that kind of contrasts some of this devil talk we so in the past for the thing that made me scared, I talked about YouTube videos that talk about caving mishaps and how terrifying it is and how I'm like, why would anyone ever go into a cave? That's the weirdest, dumbest thing you could ever do. There's no point to <laughs> it. Why? Unless you're specifically researching a cave. Um, thrill seeking and just trying to discover it. Who cares? I said all that. But then when I was visiting my folks over the holidays, we checked out a cave that oh. is in Texas. That's like a below a Texas highway, but you would never know it. Um, apparently, it was discovered by the Texas Highway Department core drilling team in the spring of 1963. Opened it up to the public in 1966. Uh, <laughs> and they it's open year round. Uh, they've got really cool cave formations. There's a point where they take you to the end of the cave. And they tell you, we're going to turn out the lights. And then when you open your eyes again, you see like this phosphorescence, kind of very, very pretty in the low light. That is really neat. And then they turn the lights back on. You can't see it. And it's a very like casual walk. You know, you could, it has wheelchair access even. So it's very relaxed, not claustrophobic. Doesn't make me feel like I'm going to die to golems like in the descent. Mm. Um, (laughs) But they offer 
off-roading tours where they have like little spots of very small cave openings where they're like oh yeah if you pay for like the extreme caving version you'll go through that thing and i was just like no no okay no let's let's (laughs) stay on this paved road cool caves are cool the natural formations are very neat i get i guess i kind of get why people do that mikey this is you conquering a fear roxy yeah what about you mikey thank you what made you happy this Uh week Roxy, a tweet came across my desk this week that I'm sending you right now. It's from oh. Twitter user at Benjamin Crew One, uh, and it just says, "Bring back movies where the actors deliver lines like this." And it is a clip from a film called A Very Brady Sequel. Roxy, I went and watched A Very Brady Sequel, and I am here to tell you it is the only funny movie anyone has ever made. It is really so funny. They pronounce weird words rather super weird. It's so where, like overly exaggerated. Like this is, is this the real acting or is this like a Twilight Zone scary episode? This is the real acting. So it is, is it is a, a movie episode? that is, it is not, well, this is from the movie. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Is every scene like this, I guess. Yes. In that most of these scenes, I'm like, what is going on here? And they do, it's. Roxy, it's the I, it's I the sure Jan, like... the sure Jan scene. It's the origin of sure Jan. I didn't know until yes. it got to the end of it. Okay, <laughs> uh, she's she's saying like uh, it's Jan trying to convince Marsha that she has a boyfriend whose name is Judge Judge Glass. Because and then Marsha says on the table that she looks at. <laughs> I don't know him from school. Like they're pronouncing <laughs> words so weird, and this movie throughout is just having little choices be made that make me go how come you how come you did that how come that do you think it's kind of like a variation on i don't know valley girl pronunciations or something like that because this is set in california right or like the the family is supposed to be from california aren't they it is um and i i haven't watched i used to love watching the brady bunch on nick at night as a child and i haven't watched it recently i feel like it's closer to like they probably had some kind of weird pronunciations in the show and it is them taking that and dialing it up because that is what the entire movie does to all okay. of the aesthetics of the Brady Bunch. It's not a parody. And I don't think I would say it's making fun of the show, the Brady Bunch. It's saying it's almost this like third category of saying there are a bunch of weird things about the Brady Bunch. And let's take that and joyfully live in. them. And so it's not mean to a show that I very much love. It's just so funny it's taking and heightening bizarre things from the Brady Bunch. Roxy, a very Brady sequel is on uh, Amazon Prime for free. It's one of the funniest. It's the only movie I think I've ever seen. Usually I watch a comedy movie and I'm like, I understand that's funny, mm-hmm. but I'm not actually laughing. I was scream laughing throughout this week because there's really? just like so many moments that I'm just like, how come you put that in the movie? <laughs> it's the best movie I've ever seen. I... Uh, couldn't track down the first one, but I'm going to rent that on Amazon Prime probably tonight and watch it and I'm very nice. excited. Okay, well, I've never seen either of them, but now I kind of want to, or at least look up some old episodes maybe, because I didn't grow up with cable, so I didn't really grow up watching that, but I'd sometimes mm. visit friends' houses and we'd be up really late and end up watching like random episodes of that or Bewitched or uh, Isle of Lucy was another big one on Nick at Night. I would say this movie does a really good job of saying like, the Brady Bunch was a show from the 70s that took place in the 70s. And the movie is saying that, like, these are 70s people in the 90s. So the rest of the world is, like, 
why are the Bradys acting this way? Wait, when did this movie come out? Like the 90s. It did? Yeah. What? What? Okay, it, that's the most insane thing you've said so far. I had yes. no idea. And it's so funny to see, like, the real world butting up against these, like... 1995? 1996. Yeah. Five, 95 was the first one. 96 was the second one. There was only they a just, year in between. They just back to back. Wow. That rules. What? Even it's, in the world? It, it, it is just very much like... It, it's, it's a perfect comedy premise of these unusual people exist... And then we get to see the real world interacting with them. It's so funny. So many pe- so many like actors have like weird little choices, like even as they're reacting to the Bradys and the Bradys are being very silly. It's it's one of my favorite. It's it's absolutely the funniest movie I've ever seen. It's the funniest movie I've ever seen. I don't know what that's, to tell you. That's that's a huge compliment, Mikey. It's a big one. Roxy, it's time now for haunted plugs. First of all, make sure that you are following Scary Basement on Twitter at scary underscore basement and on instagram at scary basement pod roxy where can people find you on the internet you can find me on twitter as red mage roxy and i'm also on twitch as red mage roxy i stream three days a week on tuesdays thursdays and sundays i usually start at 3 p.m and my streams can be quite long so come come hang out come drop in uh and i am on twitter this is me mikey mccaller i'm on twitter at secret blimp and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash secretblimp. Also, make sure to go and give this podcast five stars. To be clear, five scary stars on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Also, leave a review. That super helps us out. And don't forget to share or scare this podcast with your friends. And as always, do not sign any contracts offered to you by demon robots. See you next week. Mm-hmm.